Sunday and happy Sabbath day to you. I hope you're ready for a good day of worship. And we're there on day 275 of your daily walk. And on October 1, the beginning of the fourth quarter of our year 2023, we are in the New Testament. And the arriving is taking place, and we've arrived at that point. So today, we begin the New Testament. We begin with the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew. We're in the first four chapters, which is Matthew 1 through 4. And man, is it exciting. This is going to be good. I hope you're along for the ride. If you haven't been able to keep up, uh, no worries. Just keep tuned when you can. This is going to be good. From here to the end of the year, this is going to be really good stuff. And you say, well, the Gospels are are really close to saying the same thing. Well, maybe so, but each Gospel has its own difference as well, which we're going to see, and it's so good. I've been really involved in the Gospels here the last month, and it's just so good. So... Today, before we get into our Sabbath, or if it's after your Sabbath worship, you know, let's just praise the Lord for the fact that He loved us so much that in our imperfections, He sent His Son to come rescue us from all the oppressions of life. And it's just so good. All right, so let's get started. The very first thing we look at in Matthew 1 is is the genealogy of Christ. Now, what's really cool is my son uh, did teen Bible quizzing, and, and I really, until I studied this more, thought Matthew was the only one that carried that, but it's actually in Luke 2, which, or Luke also, and we'll get to that when we get to Luke, but it's so good. Because what we have to see is the kind of people that are in Jesus' family tree. The kind of people in his family tree, and I'm not going to read them all off. You can. But they're people like you and me. They're people who had issues. And if you see what our church is about, we're everyday people with everyday issues trying to get closer to God. So... It's really cool. And then the other thing that's really interesting about it is the division of how they're listed, right? Because there's 14 generations from Abraham to David, and then there's 14 generations from David to the exile, and then there's 14 generations from the exile to when the Messiah is born. And that's interesting how it all lays out in 14s 14 14 14 right 14 is divisions of seven 
Mm, and we know seven is that good number, right? So after it lays that out, it gives a brief summary of the birth of Christ. He was born of Mary, who was engaged to be Joseph. And, and Matthew just kind of hits on it. Joseph was uh, kind of worried about how it was going to reflect to the public because she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit, not by man. And that's really all it tells us, right? And he didn't want to disgrace her, so he's going to break the engagement. This is all found in Matthew. But the Lord told Joseph, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. For the child she carries is not some illegitimate kid. It was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's my son. Don't you ever remember? Uh, we aren't there. Got well, we, I can't go there yet. But it's 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 conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's it's a God thing. Only God could do that. And so. She's going to have a son. You're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to save the people from their sins. Wow. That's heavy stuff, right? But he says this fulfills what the prophet says. Now, what we look at in Matthew is Matthew is all about tying the Old Testament to the current events of the New Testament, right, or what's happening then. So what we're going to see in Matthew is where he says often how this fulfills what was said. Sometimes he'll even say what prophet said it. Okay, so this one he says, and this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. This was Isaiah. It doesn't say that, but look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. All right. So we we just went through all the prophets. So we should be able to remember or at least have an inkling. Oh, yeah, I remember that part. So Joseph woke up and did what the angel said, and he took Mary as his wife. But here's the interesting thing that's in the Bible. He did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Because she was conceived by the Holy Spirit, because she's carrying the Lord's Son, the most God on high, she is set apart. And because she's set apart, he didn't want to violate that which the Lord had set apart in any way, shape, or form, that is the ultimate of respect, even though she is his wife and was, he was told to take her as his wife. All right, so I thought that was pretty cool because, you know, most people when they're married, that's like how they consummate their marriage. So that was really, really good, and it's in the Bible. They don't beat around the bush. So it just shows that the Lord made man and woman, husband and wife, to be one and you know that's how we become one a lot of times so we get into chapter two and that's where we get the wise men coming to see jesus they see the star they come to herod they want to know 
you know, hey, have you do you know where this person is? And Herod, of course, doesn't know. And so he says, but when you find him, let me know so I can go worship him too. Well, of course, that's a ploy, right? And so once again, we get this a prophet that says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. That's another prophet, messianic prophecy we got from the prophets, right? And so, which I believe was probably Jeremiah. I won't say that confidently, but I believe it was. Then Jeremiah, or then, sorry, then Herod had this meeting, and, you know, he tells them to go to Bethlehem because the star's over Bethlehem, and, and if they find him, you know, let him know so he can go worship there. So they go and they find Jesus, the wise men do. Now, a lot of things, a lot of, you know, this is where the song We Three Kings or Magi, depending on what ver version you're looking at, come and worship the Lord. And this is where they bring the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, okay, when they entered the house. And they bow, bow to him and they worship the Lord. And they give the gifts okay key thing here they entered the house so some time has passed here jesus is not in a stable and a manger anymore he's in a house in bethlehem some time has passed now think about the track they had to track to find him so he's not in a in a stable anymore in a manger. Some time has passed. Unlike what the shepherds saw, if we think about what the shepherds saw. Now, here's an interesting fact. Matthew only gives us part of the story. To get the whole Christmas story like we know it, we have to read another book of the new testament which i'm not going to give away some people know it some people have heard me teach it and we'll get to that when we get to that okay but after these wise men get done worshiping the lord and paying tribute to the newborn king jesus they know that this whole thing with herod is a trick because the, the lord sells them the Lord God tells them and warns them in a dream. So they leave by a different route. And so after they leave, then the Lord tells Joseph in a dream, hey, you got to get out of there because something bad's going to happen. Herod's going to try to kill your son. So what Herod does is he figures out these guys aren't coming back. He figures out that they kind of figured him out and went a different way. So Herod orders that all sons, two years and less, now that should be a hint of how old Jesus is now, be killed. Because he knows that he's going to be a great ruler. He knows that he's going to be king of kings. Jealousy prevails. So the Lord tells Joseph, get up and flee to Egypt and stay there till it's safe because 
You got to get out of here. All right, so a couple things to remember, because this will come up later, is he's in Bethlehem, right? He was born in Bethlehem, right? He's got to leave for a while, but he's also a deliverer. We know that Jesus is a deliverer, right? Herod is ordering all the two-year-olds unless be killed, right? This is the second time that's happened. Because back in Moses' time, Pharaoh ordered all the two-year-olds and younger be killed. But Moses, who was going to be a deliverer, that's why he knew something like that was coming up. And he knew that, you know, oh, they're making, the the Hebrews are making too many babies, so we're going to just kill all the boys. But Pharaoh... He, uh, that's when Moses was put in the basket and held in the papyrus uh, patch or whatever down the river, and that's when his daughter found him and took her as her own. And the Lord had a way for him to become the deliverer. In both cases, it's for deliverers, but in this case... One delivered the Israelites from their from their oppression, and in this case, Jesus will deliver all mankind from the oppression of sin. I don't know. That's pretty cool to me. Okay, so when brutal when brutal. When brutal Herod carries out his brutal action, that fulfills another prophecy. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing. That I know is from Jeremiah. So there's another prophecy in Matthew's linking yet again the New Testament to the Old Testament in fulfillment of what the Old Testament is bringing us. Think about that. That's like 500 years later. I don't know about you, but I just think that's good but what did what did the lord tell them over and over the word of god never fails and it never fails so after all that takes place time goes by and then joseph has another dream the lord speaks to him in another dream and he said that he has died herod has died so after being warned in a dream he left the region of galilee And his family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so that's where he gets the name the Nazarene. Because the Lord told him this will fulfill what the prophet said. He will be called a Nazarene. And that was in the region of Galilee. So, it's all coming full circle now. All that stuff they said in the Old Testament has is coming full circle. And seems kind of quick in Matthew, doesn't it? But it's there. Because now, in chapter 3, we meet John the Baptist. And once again, the prophet Isaiah 
was one that was talking about the voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was John the Baptist, and it describes John the Baptist really well. He was uh, a person that had was dressed in coarse cam- camel hair and wore a leather belt around his waist. He, For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem, from all over Judea and all over the Jordan went to see him, and when they heard him, they confessed their sins and were baptized in the Jordan River. That's how strong and convicting his message was. That was all because the Lord was speaking through him. And that's all we hear about John the Baptist. We don't get anything else from him. We, we don't hear much, but I'm promising you that in another gospel, we will get more of a better, clear picture of how he came, because John the Baptist is kind of an immaculate conception as well. So when he saw, when John, what's interesting about John, see what people, what happens in the church, which really is a sad thing, is we we tend to forget John 3.17, which we'll get to, but it's on our web page. Jesus doesn't come to condemn the world, but to save it, okay? In other words, Jesus doesn't sit here and tell you how bad you are and then expect you to say, oh, yeah, okay, and repent. Jesus just gets relational with you and then kind of lets the Holy Spirit expose the things in your life that you know aren't in covenant with him, aren't the one things that you should be doing to be in relationship with Jesus. As Jesus teaches what we need to do to follow him. Teaches. You know, and and I was at a school the other day and these kids did something and without a teaching moment, the person that saw them just flat out got them in trouble, just flat out gave them reprimand, didn't have a teaching moment. And, and I'm like, what a power trip because they can, they will, and they did. And yeah, those kids should know better maybe, but as a former student of the same school, I felt that person And if it was me, and I know in the secular world, you can't even do that. You have to teach first. That's called, you know, when someone makes a mistake, you have to give them credit that it's a mistake. You have to coach them through it first to show them, hey, this is not what we do. So this is your verbal warning. Next time you will get something more harsh. And they didn't get that. They got harsh right from the get-go. And so what Jesus did was always teach and coach and educate and help all the sinners. I came for those, he says this, I came for those who know they are sinners, not those who think they are righteous. And so what's interesting is when 
John the Baptist is in there baptizing people. He's got people around him who think, you know, what is he doing? What? Why is he associating with these people? And he looks at them and he calls them broods of snakes, brood of vipers. And he says, prove the way you live that you're better than these. Don't just say you're safe. So he's saying, if you're going to talk to talk, walk the walk. Because every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown in the fire. Because he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon. This is his forerunner ship but someone is coming soon who is greater than i so much greater i'm not worthy to even be his slave and carry his sandals and he will baptize with the holy spirit and with fire see jesus has this great big mission ahead of him the cross is far much more than for repentance man they had repentance in the old testament the cross is not only going to give us repentance, but it's going to give us, and Jesus will tell us this, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we only obtain that through repentance. Woo! That's interesting. And we'll get to that in John. It's really cool. So good stuff coming. He's going to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. So he's going to only have, that's only going to be good for those that will repent and come to him. And as he's saying all this, then lo and behold, who should walk up to be baptized but Jesus himself. So look, we're in chapter 3 and Jesus is already big enough to be baptized. And as he walks up, he's like, oh, look, it's Jesus. I should be baptized, be getting baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? And Jesus says to him, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So in other words, he's like, I am born without sin. I am sin free. And when I am, when we get saved and repent of our sins and we no longer want to live in a sin free, sinful life, we get baptized and since Jesus is not living in a sinful life, he needs to represent that with baptism just like anyone else. Because at this point, he is a man. He is a man and divine because he's the son of God. But he wants to represent so all the people understand that even he is going to be baptized. So when he gets baptized, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. That's so cool. And that would be part of the reason why we have the Holy Spirit, you know, represented a lot of times with a dove in a lot of our things. But the voice of God is then speaking audibly for those around to hear as he comes up out of the water and he says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And how wouldn't that be cool to hear the Lord speak audibly like that? That would be cool. So you think all is good, right? But then 
that Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights with no food. And so, you know, at the end of your fast is when you start getting hungry. So at the end of the fast is when Satan starts to tempt him. And here's, you can read all about the temptation, but here's what I can tell you. In the temptation, Jesus used the scripture to counter him, defeat him. This is representative of that word from Psalms, the word of I hid in my heart that I'm going to sin against you, God. This is representative of how we really need to have a close relationship with the Father so that we can battle the enemy. But here's what's interesting. Satan sees what he's doing, and so Satan uses the scriptures against him. In his third temptation, Satan says, if you're the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say. (laughs) And Jesus says, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil went away. And the angels came back and took care of Jesus. And then Jesus' ministry begins. You know? So what we got to do is know that when Satan comes and messes with us, we got to rebuke him just like Jesus did. The more scripture we can know, the more of the word of God we can know, the better we are. And one of the greatest things we know, and we haven't got there, but you can look it up if you want. First John 4.4 4, says, Greater is he that is in you, that would be Jesus if you have him, than he that is in the world. That's Satan. We, Jesus, With Jesus in you, you can conquer that. And you can. And I had a lady in one of my, my uh, New Star Church that said, I'm going to stomp Satan. And she would stomp her foot, and she wouldn't. She was the greatest representation of a strong spiritual woman I've seen because she went through some stuff and she was stomping Satan's head all the time. And so Jesus shows us that on all the temptation, and we'll get to more of that when we go on, but it's so good to see that even as a man, he face temptation and showed us that if we are close to the one the one true god we can defeat all that and we can cast him out oh did i say that yeah i did because jesus then calls his first few disciples as ministry begins and he calls peter says i'm going to call you simon and Andrew, they were out fishing. So he goes where they're relevant, right? He goes where they're where they're at. He goes to them. He goes where they're at. He doesn't open a door and say, hey, come to me, and let's see what we can do. He goes where they're at, and he says things that are relevant to them. He doesn't go to them and say, you know, they're fishing. Hey, let's go um, play chess and they're like what the world is chess he says come with me and i'll show you how to fish for people or in other versions i'll make you fishers of men you know 
And so they leave their nets right away. And up the shore, he gets a couple other guys to follow him, James and John, because they were fishing too. And he tells them, let's go be fishers of men. And, you know, it's fishing. They want to fish. So they want to know, well, how do you fish for men? And Jesus shows them that. So he then tells them that, shows them that they're going to be able to do what he does. And he heals every kind of disease and illness and heals all those that were sick. Anybody that comes around, everything, any sickness, disease, demon possession, epileptic, paralyzed, he healed them all. So large crowds, imagine that. If somebody was doing that, large crowds began to follow him. And disciple means follower. So just keep that in mind because it talks about disciples a lot. And the 12 that he had will be renamed here soon. So what a great way to start. We got the the arriving of the Messiah. He's showing us we can defeat Satan with the word if we're tempted. And he shows us that if we want to make more disciples, we got to go where they are and be relevant to who they are. And so many times we just open the doors of the church and say, hey, come on in. And that's not enough. We got to go where they are and disciple them and where they're at and be relevant to what they are. And we're going to see that a lot in Jesus' ministry. So great day, great start. Have a great worship day. And know that Jesus has arrived and he loves you and he's there for you. Jesus the Messiah, name above all names. He is here and he loves you. Have a great Sabbath. We'll see you tomorrow with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus Messiah.